You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to History Happy Hour, a special series from History Uncovered. It's the end of November 2023, and we've handpicked a few of our favorite history stories from this month. Today, we'll be talking about... The curious discovery of a thousand-year-old woman's skeleton missing its facial bones. How a diver in Sardinia came across 30,000 to 50,000 Roman coins. The rediscovery of lost French letters from the Seven Years' War. Why archaeologists believe that a Nordic Bronze Age meeting hall may have linked to the legendary King Heinz. The sale of a first-class dinner menu from the RMS Titanic. As well as a number of historic anniversaries, including the first photo of the Loch Ness Monster, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and much more. I'm all this interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. I'm all the interesting staff writer, Kalina Fraga. And I'm all that's interesting editor, Kara Johnson. Welcome to History Happy Hour. Awesome. Well, welcome, Kara, to your yeah. first History Happy Hour. Thank you. This is going to be a fun one. So let's start, as we always do, with some uh, news stories that we covered in the last month that were especially interesting, fascinating. The first one's kind of a mystery. A history mystery. A history mystery. So fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's this uh, a thousand-year-old grave of a man and a woman, which is normal, whatever, found in Germany. But the woman is missing all of her facial bones. Yeah, it's just fully hollowed out. Yeah, I'm looking at the photo right now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like a no bowl face. laying uh-huh. on top of a body of bones. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah, they don't know what happened to her. There's speculation there was perhaps a fatal accident in which she lost her, her face. face. <laughs> Maybe a horse kicked her mm-hmm. in the face. I don't know. Do they know if this was like pre-death, post-death? Could someone have carved her face out of her skull after she died? It didn't really sound like something they were thinking. I feel like that's less grisly than a pre-death situation. Right. I don't know. It depends why. Well, because it didn't seem like this was a ritual. Her, The man next to her, who they kind of assumed was her husband, was buried normally. He had grave goods and he seemed to be kind of like a dignitary. So he seemed fine, normal. She had no grave goods, but they think it's because maybe she was a practicing Christian, like didn't believe things like that. Hmm. But there were a lot of questions about this one. They're kind of like, oh, that's really strange. And we don't know why, which often happens uh, with these articles. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's probably never going to be an answer to that. Unless they found like another grave with another hollowed out face. And then they would be like, hmm. Or just the face. Or just the face. Yeah. Facial bones located somewhere else. But yeah, that was kind of a weird story. And the photos are a bit strange. For sure. Well, we had a story a couple of months ago about people who made bowls out of human skulls. Oh, did we? Hmm. But that was in a different country. So... Uh. (laughs) Lovely. I didn't want to definitively <laughs> say it because I forgot. Not the same thing. <laughs> not, was, not, not in Germany. No, I think it was in Africa. Well, yeah. So that was kind of that one. It was, I mean, it was found as part of like a larger excavation. It's uh, an old uh, castle, fortifications and stuff. So there's some interesting stuff there. But the mystery, yeah, the history mystery is unsolved. The next one is kind of one of our favorite kinds of stories to cover. Classic. <laughs> Classic Coin history news. happy hour. 
I love a coin story. I don't think people really don't like coin them. Coin girl but strikes again. <laughs> coin girl. They're always like, how many coins are there? Why were they here? There's always a lot of interesting details, I think. How much were they worth? Yes, was, that yeah. That was my exactly. first thought. Like you have 30,000 to 50,000 bronze coins. It's a lot of coins. Even if that's a penny a pop, that's 3,000 to 5,000 bucks right there. Yeah, right. So cool. What if you just took them to a coin star machine and <laughs> dumped oh, them in? Yeah. What would happen? I wonder. Cause it depends on their shape, right? Yeah. Probably, and like their yeah. weight, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Probably give some archaeologists like a heart attack if you did that. <laughs> Take them to a smith and smelt them down into like a sword or something. It'd be sick. A bronze sword. Yeah. Made of mm. coins. Or just glue them together in the shape of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the cool thing about this was that A, it was kind of found by accident. Like a diver just kind of noticed it on the seafloor and it could have been from a shipwreck. Hmm. Casual shipwreck discovery. I mean, that makes makes sense. They were transporting that much coinage. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they did not find like a shipwreck nearby, it seems. But that was one of the theories. Yeah. Maybe it was a Titanic situation where someone on board a ship was just like, oh, I'm going to. The heart of the ocean. We just dumped huh. these coins over the side. And right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was given to them by like a long lost love. Yeah. And they're like, I don't need it. Yeah. Here's 30 to 50,000 <laughs> coins. <laughs> <laughs> Another history mystery. Yeah. It's more to be learned from this uh, collection of coins. You know, like we're getting, we're kind of evenly divided here on uh, stuff that's solved and unsolved with our history stories this month. Yeah, that's true. Some of them are a bit more concrete than others. Like this next one is just... Like this next one. A bunch of recovered letters from sailors on the... What was the Galati? Is that how you Galate, pronounce it? Galatee. Galatee. Yeah, I guess French. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is another kind of a cool story where this historian which is like looking around the National Archives. And he's like, huh, what's in this box? And he opened it. And he's like, oh my God, like these letters have not been opened for almost 300 years. But yeah, they were they were sent to French sailors during the Seven Years' War. They had some difficulty getting to the ship, and then the ship was captured by the British. So the letters went into British hands, and the British were like, these aren't important. There's no intelligence here. <laughs> right. So they stuffed it in storage, and then it was forgotten about for centuries. And the letters were really fascinating. It's funny how often that happens. Yeah, I know. It often seems to happen with like fossils. Yeah. People seem to find fossils all the time in like back rooms and museums. Yeah, we had that mm -hmm. story about the Tasmanian tiger fossil mm. or I guess skeleton yeah. that was tucked away. We did one last month about a painting that was just yeah. tucked away forever. Yeah, these places are full of, I guess, nooks and crannies where things are forgotten about. But these these letters were really cool. There was like, it was a lot of them were from wives writing to their husbands. The one letter she said, I want to possess you. Yeah, some of them are honey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the word possess in French could also mean make love to you, which is, you know, it's, it's a yeah. nice thing to write to your husband at sea. The funny one was from a mother who told her son he wasn't writing to her enough, which just seems very <laughs> ageless. She said, I think about you more than you think about me. In any case, I wish you a happy new year filled with the blessings of the Lord. I think I am for the tomb. I've been ill for three weeks. And then she says um, she only gets news from another sailor's wife. So classic mom guilt tripping her son. <laughs> I'm going to die soon. Yeah, so come I'm love busy, me. <laughs> mom. I'm fighting a yeah. war. <laughs> I'm not going to be around forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's just funny. And the historian was like, you know, it's so funny how like these things you know, whether it's letters or emails or whatever, it's like kind of the same sort of sentiments people send each other. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how many dirty letters were in there. Oh, my I God. Know. There was a I've been watching this this improv comedy game show thing. You might have seen clips of it on 
TikTok or Instagram reels or whatever. But one of the prompts was like a Civil War soldier writing to his bride back home. But it was like using modern lingo. So it was like this guy goes in this long ranting classic Southern gentleman style. And he's just like, I do declare you up. (laughs) (laughs) You up. (laughs) Nice. It's basically what this is. An improv game show, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Very fun. It's like kind of like whose line is it anyway, but a little different. Uh huh. Hmm. Classic. I have a lot of friends who are super into improv, so I go to uh, improv shows a fair amount. <laughs> I've been thinking about signing up for improv classes here. Oh, you should do it. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's like a cult, you know. Like yeah. once you're in, you're in. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, I guess there's no good segue from improv to this next one that I can think of, except for meeting halls and stages. But well, see, clearly you're not taking off improv classes. So you could have <laughs> yeah. improvised something there, but <laughs> I should listen to my friends when they say to sign up. You're absolutely right. Yeah, this was a uh, this was kind of a cool story because I'd never even heard of this king that it allegedly belonged to. Yeah, same. King Heinz, not like the ketchup. Take the E out. I did think that. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to remember the pronunciation at the very least. His rival, King Hunts. <laughs> Sorry. Gross. Gross. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really interesting to read about that and to write about it because this hall, they basically just found the like, to paint a clear image for anyone listening, it wasn't like a just dig in the earth and all of a sudden there's like a fully intact Viking hall. It was basically just the like... The foundation. The foundation, I think, is the word I was trying to find. Yeah, I mean, it's just they were like, oh, yeah, there's clear evidence here that there was stuff. There was a big fireplace in the middle, and it was found relatively near where they think King Hines' burial site was. So that's pretty good evidence. But it's so funny that everything I found kept saying like, oh, the legendary King Hines. He once ruled over the kingdom of Prignitz which was in Brandenburg, and he was very kind to his people and, like, all these great stories about him, but, like, really scant historical evidence to actually back any of that up. Yeah, I just Googled him, and the only things coming up are this story about this meeting hall. Right, right. But, yeah, they found nearby three urns with remains inside, and they think one of them might have belonged to him. It said he was buried in a golden coffin, but it was actually maybe bronze, but they didn't really know at the time. Yeah, just a lot of weird glorification of this guy that doesn't actually have any like historical evidence. Wow. Hmm. So the, the the hall was interesting, um, but I feel like the bigger story was more like, who is this guy? And this is maybe like a little offering a little bit more evidence into the fact that he probably did rule around this time here. Yeah. If it's near his alleged like burial mound and everything. Right, right. Hmm. Wow. At the very least, it's like a clue to keep digging around there. Maybe you'll find yeah. more. It's funny. It reminds me of the story we did, which I think we covered on History Happy Hour about the, it's like a lost town in Germany that was like a part of legend. And then it was like wiped off the map because its inhabitants sinned. Yeah. And, God. yeah. and then they're like, actually, we think it does exist because we found all the, the foundations of this town where they thought it was supposed to be. The further back you go too, there's like all those lost continents, mm-hmm. um, which I think we Atlantis. have a story. Atlantis, the lost continent of Mew. Is another one hmm. Lemuria, Lemur- Lemuria. I can never pronounce it. The, the, yeah, Lemuria, something Lemuria, like that. Yeah, it was in hmm. the Indian Ocean. Lemur IA. It's Lemur IA. Lemur IA is how it's spelled. But <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, I think that stuff's fascinating. Me too. I'm a big Atlantis head, <laughs> moth head, Atlantis head. I'm I'm all I'm all on it. <laughs> Make more T-shirts. Yeah, a new T-shirt yeah. with Atlantis head on it. <laughs> 
Speaking of things underwater. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so you got the chops already. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they there was this uh, an auction for a bunch of Titanic artifacts, and one of them was a menu from April 11th, which was a couple of days before the ship hit the iceberg as it was leaving Queenstown, now known as Cobb. Um, it's a first-class menu, which included oysters, duck, beef, French ice cream. It had water damage, which made them think that it had been in the water, and someone had just like snatched it up for some reason or had it on them when they were in the water or it's a bit unclear what the sequence of events were okay here yeah <laughs> so presumably it was uh originally belonged to someone who survived it seems so okay yes. so like they smuggled it off the ship i was gonna say yeah i mean if they recovered it from the titanic it's obviously water damaged the yeah. ship sunk because it's not like it was it wasn't like the night the ship hit the iceberg it's like someone had okay. this meal and then had the menu and then i see i, guess, I got see. off the ship they found it in the collection of a Nova Scotia community historian after his death. But it's like super rare that they would find like new stuff from the Titanic. So Yeah, that's really cool. Boiled rice. That's the only way you make it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you can fry it after the fact, but. But still have to boil it first. Yeah. Some of this does sound really good, though. Sirloin of beef with horseradish cream. Very typical. They had some fancy uh, meals. What is squab a la Godard? Uh, what's a squab what's a squab i don't know what is a tornado of beef squab is dark meat from a duck ah. or from a domestic pigeon which <laughs> hopefully not hopefully not on the titanic hopefully the not on the class. titanic <laughs> wow. wow is that tornado uh. tornadoes of beef all victoria <laughs> yeah that's hilarious <laughs> Tornadoes to, of beef. Wow. Like a swirl, beef swirl. Anna and boiled new potatoes. Beef tornadoes is small round pieces of beef cut from the end portion of beef tenderloin, often cooked with bacon or lard. Sounds pretty good. Mm. I mean, yeah. it should. It all should sound good, right? It's the point. If you paid as much class. as you would have paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would hope so. Yeah. Creme d'asparagus is just cream, cream asparagus. Cream asparagus. I think so. Lamb and mint sauce. Yeah, I mean, it's all very classic. It's kind of funny how little fine dining has changed. In the last, like, 100 years. Yeah. Lamb yeah. with mint sauce. I don't know what a bread sauce is for roast chicken, but it's probably good. <laughs> it's my two favorite I'm things. Sure. Bread I and assume. sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice and carby. Yeah. Um, Because how much did a first class ticket cost in the Titanic? Like a lot. A few thousand, wasn't it? I think it's in that article. A first class ticket would have cost uh $4000 today. Okay. So, yeah, not not cheap. Not cheap. Cheaper than I would have expected though. And that was I think on like the lower end. You could probably pay more. I think you can snag a carnival ticket for like a couple hundred, but carnival versus Titanic, you know. Right, right. Yeah, 4000 seems like a lot for a cruise, but I have no idea cuz I would never well, go on a cruise. A Regent 7 Seas cruise is starting on Priceline at $4,099 today. Whoa. Damn. Silver Sea Cruises are $3,950. No wonder I don't go on cruises. Although I guess it's like the same as, not the same as, I was going to say flying to Europe, but I guess you can get tickets for like $700 to fly to Europe. I mean, depending on your vacation, because the cruise is your whole vacation. Right. It's probably all inclusive with like food and drinks. and Like we went to Universal Orlando and probably spent like $3,500 over like four days when we were doing that yeah so that's true yeah there was some debate in this article about like whether these things should be auctioned off at all and not given to museums which i thought was interesting that's a fair question yeah yeah i think museums should just 
put their money where their mouths are you know <laughs> all their money that museums have. all the money those yeah. museums have right um, <laughs> although would titanic survivors really want their belongings to be in like the gatlinburg titanic museum it's a good I don't question know. like are there nicer ones in, in Belfast or something? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like the one in Tennessee is just kind of a tourist trap. Well, didn't you say there was one in France, Kalina? There is one in, I think, in Cherbourg, which is one of those stops. Yeah. Right. And that makes more sense, too, because that was the Titanic <laughs> was there at one point. Yeah. Tennessee is a weird spot. Yeah. I'm not really sure why the Tennessee, but they, it, is it like a life sized? Yeah. Like, it's like the one replica? that's like half sunk isn't it probably i don't yeah. know I, I, I know that we wrote an article about it because they had an ice wall that collapsed on someone and we wrote about it for the site <laughs> oh, this wow. was like a year or two ago yeah it looks like the titanic okay it's not sinking but it has an iceberg next to it that's pretty cool all of those niche museums pop up in like random places like pigeon forge has all that like tourist traffic. it's like the myrtle beach of the mountains hmm. oh what a terrible pitch i think it has like a bunch <laughs> of like ripley's museums and stuff too it seems like if anywhere was to have a Titanic museum in the U.S., it should be like New York. because That's where right. it yeah. was going, where the survivors ended up. Not a landlocked state in the South. <laughs> yeah, right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Um. Yes, historic anniversaries. Woo! Well, this one's kind of a, a preview of our next big project for the podcast, which is our series on Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. November 9th, 1888. Yes. Was his first, his final canonical victim. Mm-hmm. Her name was Mary Jane Kelly, and she was the most extensively mutilated of all his victims. So that's <laughs> great. Gross. There's some really gnarly photos of her body. Mary Jane Kelly. Yeah. They're on Wikipedia. I mean, we have a post on her too, and they're, I'm sure they're there as well, but... Oh, yeah, I've seen these before. Yeah, it's Yeah, they're gross. Because most of his victims, he had, like, minutes to kill and mutilate, but he apparently was able to spend hours with her, and it's a pretty... Uh, quite a scene. Yeah, yucky. Oh, yeah, wow. She yeah. also doesn't have a face. Yeah, she was recognized by, like, her ears, hmm. I think. Her ears <laughs> and her eyes, I think, are still there. But the man who had lived with her uh, recognized those parts so yeah did jack the ripper also live in eisenben germany he's <laughs> <laughs> like a timeless uh yeah timeless did he ever travel Maybe that's there what happened to that lady <laughs> yeah these are like really detailed photographs for 1888 i know i mean there's a lot of pretty awful photographs actually from the jack the ripper murders of bodies and stuff that are just like yeah. out there and you're like oh he had what five canonical victims I believe so yeah because our I series is gonna so. be the first the five victims and then we're kind of discussing it all and right he could have killed more i mean it depends kind of on how you look at the case and yeah and i, I just think it could have been it's, i mean obviously a big reason that jack the ripper is so popular is because they never caught him mm -hmm. but it is interesting because we write and talk about so many serial killers and stuff how this guy killed what, what we assume is one person killed five women maybe mm -hmm. more five that we know for sure and then you read about some other people who have killed like 70 80 people right yeah it's like how did it's like it makes sense that in 
1880s Whitechapel, you could get away with murders relatively easily. Well, yeah, and women women were murdered often in Whitechapel, like sex workers. It's just like he was like so brutal that it right. was it stood out and it was sensationalized too in the press and yeah, he you was know, the there's debate original of, incel, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a theory. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get into it, obviously, coming up yeah, next year. Yeah, just to tee it up. And if you haven't listened to our last big series yet, it was about the Titanic. So if you no, it was UFOs. UFOs. Oh, well, the first big series then. <laughs> yeah. Listen to both our series. Well, yeah, yes. just check them both out. If you're interested in the dinner menu, we have another long series about the sinking of the Titanic. Yeah, All I posted that it. one uh, TikTok about the punch they made on the titanic oh that's right we talked about that here yeah a million years ago feels like it well speaking of photos this is another photo it's the anniversary uh on november 12 1933 of the first photo taken of the loch ness monster yeah this is not the photo most people think of of its like neck but this guy named hugh gray was walking around and he snapped a photo of what it kind of looks i mean it depends on what you're what you think you see. It kind of yeah. looks like debris on top of the water. He called it, quote, an object of considerate dimensions. Considerable, sorry. Mm. But it I could see it being kind of serpentine. Yeah. If you it does have squint. kind of a shape. Yeah, for yeah. sure. At the time there'd been a bunch of Nessie sightings starting in April, had been reported about in the paper. So he kind of like fit into that whole interest in right. the Loch Ness. Well, Monster. I think that's yeah, that's kind of the important part of it, right? Because it's a relatively innocuous photo, but if there are rumors going around that there's this giant yeah. monster in Loch Ness. There had been multiple sightings at this point. I mean, it's it's the same as any UFO photo or Bigfoot video. It's like you can see what you want to see in it. Like that really recent video of Bigfoot in the Colorado mountains. It yeah. was taken from a train. It's like, is that a guy in a suit or is that looks pretty big? Is that Bigfoot? <laughs> or is that Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, the photo most people think about when they think about Loch Ness came out a couple months later in April 1934, and this was the hoax one. Right, right. People didn't know it was a hoax for, I mean, not definitively for like decades, so. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting because I was reading the Washington Post's article about the original Nessie photo, mm -hmm. and they were like, yeah, 90 years later, it's still one of the, it's still considered one of the best photos of it. And I was like, wow, that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but just this past August, there was the biggest hunt for Nessie since That's right. like, I don't know, 70 years ago or something like that. I, they didn't find it. If you... <laughs> <laughs> Breaking Spoiler news. alert. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Loch Ness is really interesting because it's not like these came out of nowhere in the 1930s. There was like a whole history of like a beast in the lake and everything. It just suddenly in the 1930s, people started saying that they saw something. Yeah. I wonder why. Well, I guess one theory is that a road was built next to the lake. Suddenly people were mm. driving near it more. Mm -hmm. I see. That would make sense. People, if it used to be in this remote area where people didn't really right. go too often and then suddenly everyone was there, then. And it's not a yeah. big lake. Yeah. That's why they're like a monster like that probably couldn't. Right. Because I was, I just looked it up to check. Lake Erie is 9,940 miles squared. Loch Ness is only 21.78. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's like really small. Not large. Yeah. Well, Lake Erie like, looks like the ocean when you stand mm -hmm. yeah. next to it. I mean, it, yeah, it really does. You can see like the horizon line from the beaches uh -huh. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a monster that big would need a lot of fish to feed itself. Yeah. Assuming it eats fish. Might be a herbivore. True. Might filter feed. 
Who knows? Um, <laughs> no, it is funny. There's like, I know Nessie is kind of the big one, but there are other really similar stories of similar creatures from around the world. In Canada, there's this uh, cryptid called the Ogopogo that's mm-hmm. said to inhabit Okanagan Lake, uh, which is in British Columbia. Oh. But that lake is like 80 miles long as well. So it's a little bit bigger than Loch Ness. Hmm. That is an interesting point. I guess I don't know about very many cryptids that are water based. Yeah, I that's the only one I knew off the top of my head, but I think there's some in like Native American lore that like live near the shores of lakes. Yeah. Lure people into the water. There's the Morag in Loch Morer, Scotland. So Scotland's got two. The Mishapishu in Lake Superior, Canada. The Lariosaro in Lake Como, Italy. So that, I mean there's quite a bit. Hmm. We just did a post on Thalassophobia. And Mm. I think I developed it as a result. You did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Doing research, just working on that post. One of the things that came up was that Nessie and other myths like water cryptids um, came about because of thalassophobia, you know, the fear of the unknown, what's under that water, letting your imagination run wild with what could possibly be. Hmm. In that deep, dark lake that yeah. you can't see under the surface of. Well, it's very scary, sense. yeah. I mean, it's like probably stems from like a very natural fear as well, like sharks and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not like people have not fallen into the water and gotten eaten by something. So, hmm. yeah. Or like the Kraken, right? That's like one of the most famous oh, yeah. sea monsters yeah. of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's Seattle's hockey team, the Kraken. I didn't know that. It's a new team. Ah. I mean, newish. Fun sports fact. Yeah. It's always Kalina with the fun sports facts. You would expect it. Presidents, sports, and coins. That's your things. That's my thing. I don't really know that much about sports, I feel like. I know Seattle sports. You just happen to know the right thing at the right time with sports. Like the Knicks being named after the Knickerbockers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Did that that come up as you were researching, though, the the Knicks thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, so, okay. So that wasn't like... You also do trivia. So that probably I do enjoy bar too. trivia. Yes, it's my it's favorite true. thing. I have a friend who's so good at bar trivia. Whenever he's not, whenever he's absent from our team, we do way worse. Oh, Interesting. He's like a genius. I went to a Harry Potter trivia night once that the winning team got free tickets to Harry Potter theme park. And that's cool. Out of like 150 team, I was single handedly doing my team. The other person was just running the answers for me. But I was in the top four. Oh, wow. a perfect score at the end. And then the last question, they just did a crapshoot of how many times is the word wand used in the series. Like, oh. That's not fair. So then I lost. Oh, yeah. that's lame. That's really yeah. lame. So I haven't played bar trivia since because. <laughs> Understandable. It ruined it for me. Yeah. Oh, man. It's hard to find a good place to play. It's really popular. And so finding a bar that's like not crowded has been mm-hmm. an adventure. But we found a place. There's a mead hall near me that does it. They're like Viking themed with their decor. That's cool. Yeah, it's very neat. You know, actually, we should talk about the cocktail since we're talking about Loch Ness. Oh, yeah. We were talking about Loch Ness like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it back home. This week's cocktail is all about uh, it's a Nessie cocktail. Yeah. God, there are so many of them. I want to make a note for the listeners that we had to go out of our way to find a Nessie cocktail that didn't include Four loco or Monster Energy drinks. Ugh. And that wasn't the color of a pond. Yeah. Four loco is illegal, isn't it, though? Like, you can't buy it anymore. What? Four loco. I'm pretty sure you can still buy it. There oh, was really? something about it. They had to lower the caffeine content, maybe, probably. or the alcohol content or something. They probably had to lower the I caffeine don't... content. Yeah. 
because huh. it was just, you know, killing people. Yeah, I remember having it in college, but it was like someone had smuggled it like onto campus <laughs> or something. Yeah, nothing better than thinning your blood and then boosting <laughs> your heart rate. Yeah, <laughs> good times. But today's Nessie cocktail brought to you by Difford's Guide actually sounds pretty good. And it makes sense because it uses scotch, which, you know, Scotland. But the recipe, one and a half fluid ounces of blended scotch whiskey, a quarter fluid ounce of... <laughs> a steel chamoui. Oh, that doesn't sound right at all. Anyway, peated Scotch whiskey. I don't think the brand actually really matters that much. Uh, three quarter fluid ounce of sweet vermouth. A quarter fluid ounce of Nicello walnut liquor. Liqueur. A sixth of fluid ounce of Pedro Jimenez sherry. And two dashes of whiskey barrel aged bitters. Hmm. How do you pronounce that word? I, I know of a guy who says liqueur, and it drives me nuts. Liqueur? Yeah, I say liqueur. liqueur. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Liqueur. Liqueur. I'm not sure that would be my first choice at a cocktail bar. No, but... Yeah. I mean, the whiskey part is actually... I mean, it's just... Well, it sounds okay, actually. It's just a play on, like, an old-fashioned, really. To, like, to a degree. Whiskey, vermouth. Yeah, with some walnut added in. Yeah, walnut, sherry. I mean, I like walnut stuff, nutty things. I think it sounds I pretty like good. Yeah, you know, but you stir it all together, strain it with ice into a chilled glass, uh, and then add an orange zest twist, curled to resemble Nessie. That's cute. Yeah. Orange zest. Huh. And in their little picture, they have like a little plastic Nessie. It's going in there as well. I know that orange goes better with whiskey than like lime, but I feel like it should be green for some reason. I guess that's what we're. That was the same trap. That's what with we the were trying loco. to avoid, though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> of Let me just drop some green food coloring in it. But who says Nessie can't be orange? That's no true. Scenery. No one knows. <laughs> yeah. Don't be specious. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, the Jonestown Massacre, which happened on November eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight, uh, in Guyana, when the followers of Jim Jones, nine hundred of them, died by suicide by. Mostly by drinking poison. Yes. Uh, Cyanide-laced punch, which birthed a phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. It was not Kool-Aid. It was a similar brand. It was Flavor-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid, yes. Flavor-Aid. Yeah. The eerie thing about this story is that leading up to this, like, it wasn't like a secret that this mass suicide was maybe in the works. And leading up to it, some of his followers would wake up the others and as like a loyalty test, have them drink what they said was poison. It wasn't actually poison. So people were kind of like... Wow, yeah. Yeah, indoctrinated to do that. I didn't realize it was that many people. A lot of people, a lot of children too. It's like, yeah. I think 300 children as well. Mm, that's rough. What was the reason? What was the, like, just like as a show of faith or just was he... Well, the inciting incident was that this congressman from San Francisco, a bunch of the families of his followers had been like, something's going on with People's Temple and Jim Jones. So he flew down, he brought a delegation down with journalists and everything, and they visited the compound and some uh, followers left with them. And then as they were about to get on the airplane and take off, they were ambushed and all killed. And then oh. J Jim Jones was like, and now they're going to come and like kill us. So we all have to die first. Gotcha. So the heat was turning up on him and it was like, a, yeah. got it. But he was also it. like, like a maniac and oh, you know yeah it's really interesting that he was um as a kid such a religious zealot and like pentecostal right became fascinated with the religion and then yeah he was i mean at the end of the day just like an egomaniac who like thought he was god and 
Yeah. But there is interesting. Someone was trying to like justify why he had so many followers and he did have a lot of followers and a lot of politicians and everything respected him in California for a while. And this person said, uh, you got to remember, this all started back in the 60s and 70s. Our society was in turmoil. There was constant aggression going on. You had riots going on. And then you have Jim Jones saying, do I have the place for you, for us? So it's kind of like finding belonging amidst the chaos of the 60s and 70s. He also very much leaned into the uh, socialist, communist aspect of his purported utopian society. Yeah. I think he said a lot of things to just try to get people to... I mean, all it really yeah. takes to be a cult leader is to be crazy and charismatic. And eventually, yeah. like, because if you're just crazy, people don't listen. And charisma can get you really far in life, but you need to be crazy to be a cult leader. No normal person mm-hmm. starts a cult. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of like how people say that if you if you want to be president, you probably have like, right. you're probably right. insane just to think that you can be president. Yeah. Right. Using crazy as the catch all term here, by the way, not like a mental illness is a very real thing. I know some people take issue with the word crazy because it has like this certain implication. Uh-huh. Right. Like that's not what we're saying here. We're just saying like you're a, not making like light of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Just like a catch all term for narcissistic personality disorder. Any of those things that I can't actually diagnose. Just wanted to clear the air on yeah that part. i think it's you know it's it's people like him you know having something i don't know yeah. off and then also just wanting power and then also being like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna save you i mean if you like the, if you watch like the nixium documentaries oh, God, and stuff, yeah. it was all like here's a way to improve your life and to improve you know your, your career and your love life and whatever and people want that yeah. so they go and mlms are just baby cults right MLMs. like multi-level marketing schemes because that's what Nexium oh, was. It was an MLM yeah. turned cult. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same. It speaks to the same part of the brain. I think so. Because it's like there's, well, and this is what improv is. It's like there's like the first level and then there's like the second you go up the levels. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The back. two biggest cults in America, improv and MAGA. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was Jim Jones. Speaking of charismatic people, Abe Lincoln. Yeah, this is the anniversary of the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, November 19th, 1863. Yes, he gave it during the dedication ceremony for the National Cemetery of Gettysburg after the Battle of Gettysburg, during which lots and lots of people died, lots of casualties on both sides. About 7,000 people in total died at Gettysburg. It's interesting, he wasn't the actual like main speaker, but his words obviously are much more remembered than the actual guy yeah, who spoke. we've talked about this before on this podcast didn't you say yeah, his, but i'm not sure why his speech was like short right it was like yeah like only it's a couple yeah. paragraphs long it's a good speech simple to the point I think you said that exact same thing last time with the exact same <laughs> cadence and everything it's a great speech <laughs> that's funny oh i'm nothing if not predictable <laughs> four score and seven years ago that's I, right. I remember asking line. last time if that was the speech that started with four. And I was going to yeah. ask it again. And I, I was like, I no, I've wrong. already I done this. I think I was like, no. And then I was, yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah, four score and seven years ago. Shall not perish from the earth. Good speech. Did he write it? Do we know? Yeah. Okay. I Well, I think he might have written it with uh, William Seward, but okay. I'm not sure. I didn't know if he sure. had like speech writers, if that was like a thing they did for presidents back then, or if they actually wrote their own speeches. I think that Lincoln wrote a lot of his own speeches, would be my guess. Respect. Apparently, there are parallels between Lincoln's speech and Pericles' funeral oration during the Peloponnesian War, as described by Thucydides. Oh. oh. I just mentioned that war in the article that you edited. You did, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they both begin with an acknowledgement of revered predecessors. They both praise the uniqueness of the state's commitment to democracy. 
They both honor the sacrifice of the slain and then go on to exhort the living to continue the struggle. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Everything goes back to the Greeks and the Romans in the Western society. I mean, this transition's a bit easier. Not only is it a president, but an assassinated president moving into the JFK assassination, which not celebrated, but marked its 60th anniversary celebrated. this month. Well, depending on what part of the country you're in. Uh, yeah um we discussed this in depth last week yeah yeah because it was the 60th anniversary when we yeah released it was the 60th we went we went through all the suspects who were not lee harvey oswald and who else could have been involved in this yeah i took a look at the i've i voted in the spotify poll for that one and i took a look at the other results we are Uh heavily heavily leaning towards the cia did it Mm. Based on the results of that poll so far. I see. That's who our listeners think yeah. was behind the assassination. I voted all of the above. Yeah. Oh. I think you convinced me. I think I like I sat with it and then our editor asked like how to go. And I was like, I went in there thinking it was just Lee Harvey Oswald. Now I am checking my house for cameras. Wow. It is weird. I mean, I said this during the podcast recording, but you start to read about it and you're like, wait, this guy knew that guy? Yeah. And oh, they also knew each other and he worked for the CIA. Oh, that's kind of strange. Yeah, just one too many coincidences where it's like, at what point is it not a coincidence? Right. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I felt like the assassination kind of the uh, anniversary of it this year kind of came and went without much fanfare. Yeah. Well, it was the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's I don't true. think it's really fun table talk at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But sometimes they release like there's like new documentaries yeah, yeah. or new information or whatever. <laughs> Funnily, I did talk about it with my family at the table because oh. my uncle, is a, he watches a lot of documentaries. And he just uh-huh. started ranting about JFK, JFK? And the assassination plot. And then I was t- that's how I knew he was drunk. Mm. It's that time <laughs> yeah. of the meal. Before the meal. Oh, before yeah, the he meal. He was cooking all day, so. <laughs> Pre-game. Yeah. Nice. You drink, then you sober up, and then you drink more. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. Yeah. It's the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> Tradition, yes. But yeah, everyone should listen to the, if they want to hear more about our theories, or not our theories, but just like what's out there, yeah. uh, that's last week's podcast. If you want to hear my freaking mind get blown, yeah, you can hear it from <sighs> a mile away. It's like a gunshot. Ooh. From a grassy knoll. <laughs> from a grassy knoll. Is that, I, what is that a reference to? Uh, that's like a theory about the JFK is like the second oh, shooter was on the oh, grassy oh, oh, oh. knoll. Yeah, right. Sorry. Knoll is just such an yeah. uncommon word. I know. We didn't really get into like the second shooter thing, I guess, but. Yeah, I think because it's like, well, there's no like, we were just going over suspects, like people, like who right, not so much theories, but like who could have been behind it. That's it. That's that's it for November. That's all, folks. Yeah, we took a little break in October because no news happened. Mm -hmm. It's great. Nothing. There was no (laughs) news all October. The world just said spooky things to talk about. Put a pin in it. Talk about ghosts. We did do a lot of that, which was fun. Talking about ghosts. It was fun. It was a fun month. Oh yeah, I think it's ATI's like favorite month of the year. October. It's a lot of people's favorite month of the year. To be fair, lots of spooky happenings. Mm -hmm. I think that's legit because November just goes by so fast. Thanksgiving, and then and then it's December, and you're like, oh my god, the year's almost over. And then and then it's January and February, and it's it's January. Everyone hates those months. The seasonal depression. Yeah. <laughs> really kicks, kicks in, in. Exactly. Yeah. There was a exactly. study that came out recently that argued that seasonal affective disorder isn't a real thing. I was like, yeah, tell that to my oh. effects or buddy. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I mean, it is like starting to get dark right now. So yeah. that's yeah. It's miserable. Oh, it's just been dark all day mm-hmm. here. It's just constantly it's Pittsburgh, dark in dude. Pittsburgh. It's, it's just always dark. It's always gray. I think we're the second grayest city in America. After Seattle? I think so. We might be number wow. one, actually. That was Anchorage. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Always sunny in Philadelphia and always... Always cloudy in Pittsburgh. in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Anchorage, Portland, Buffalo, New York, then Pittsburgh, number four. Seattle's wow. number six. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Ah. 203 cloudy days per year. See, Seattle's not that bad. Mm. I love a good cloudy day, though. Ooh, not this kind. Not when it's cold outside. I like it if it rains, because that's, like, cozy. But when it's just gray, especially, like, midsummer, when it's hot and just gray... Ugh, it's gross. Muggy. It's pretty miserable. Well, I guess our next one, our next podcast is going to be on H.H. Holmes, which kind of fits in with Jack the Ripper today, Jack the Ripper coming up, yeah. because some people think that he was Jack the Ripper. Oh, inter- okay, yeah. We'll we'll get into it, but that's interesting. People thought a lot of things about him, huh. which are not all true, and we'll get into all of that coming up. He's a serial killer, if you don't know who he is, H.H. Uh, Holmes in Chicago. Yeah, there's a video game that came out recently set in his hotel oh really yeah it's like a horror game obviously but the devil in me well that's a quote of his there you go it is a weird time of year to be doing hh holmes like we're doing that in december and then we're doing the christmas legends podcast towards the end of December. (laughs) so it's two really different vibes very different vibes i mean some of those christmas legends are gruesome though so that's true it's like krampus and stuff it's like Mm -hmm. kind of a krampus mary lloyd the yule lads H.H. Holmes, he said, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer no more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. Someone needs to tell him that poets write and (laughs) singers sing. Sing with words. (laughs) Yeah, so that's coming up. And then you said Christmas Legends is after Mm -hmm. that. And we're only doing two podcasts in December because like the rest of the world, we're very busy. Yes. And then we go on break. And then then we're coming back with Jack. No, coming back with our hundredth episode spectacular uh, yes yeah our spectacular 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 we made it they said we wouldn't make uh, it past four i'm amazed that there have been a hundred it is kind of great well it's so funny too because the first 80 were completely different than the way we do it now well yeah well it's interesting because when it first started i wasn't here when it first started it was a conversational right uh, podcast and then it became more like 15 minute scripted. narrative scripted yeah and then we kind of went back to this new new old yeah Thing. Which is fine. I like this more. Yeah. It does take up do significantly more time in the day, though, for sure. That's true. <laughs> well, it depends. Like, sometimes I would have to like reread lines and I was reading the script. That's true. And, uh, I didn't like how it sounded. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, 100 episodes. It's pretty cool. Covered a lot. So good stuff coming coming down the line. I feel like it's the time of year where I just want to like read Jane Eyre, but oh. I have a child now and I don't haven't read in seven months. So. Yeah, fair. I just read that for the first time. Jane Eyre is so good. Year. It's so good. I loved it. I really, I don't know if you've read uh, Villette, but I also really loved that. I think I have. It's by a different sister. Some Jane Eyre. <laughs> a different sister, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the other Brontes. Never read Jane Eyre. Maybe I, I should. I really liked it. Jane Eyre. It was, I just like devoured it. Mm-hmm. Wuthering Heights is also. Mm. I've been wanting to read uh, Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein. That's good too. It's a quick read. Yeah. It's way shorter than I thought it was going to be. I read it for a disability class, actually. Hmm. Interesting. When I was getting my master's in English. Hmm. Yeah, my little wow. sister just read it. because She's a senior in high school and they were doing something on Frankenstein. And she asked me for help writing her essay. She's like, it has to be like 700 words. 
it's so many. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I lived the same thing. I was like, you kidding me? I do that in like an hour every morning. Uh, yeah. As always, you guys can leave, you know, or you can leave. That's not right. You can leave you can feedback. Read more. You can leave feedback. <laughs> you can leave feedback. Maybe I should start that over. <laughs> it's we're tough so, because our lives are it's hard. Like, it's just so hard and like it sucks. <laughs> it's dark. We have to write words. Um, but you can read our words online. All of them. All of our words. Uh, obviously, at allisinteresting.com. You can join our newsletter by going to allisinteresting.com slash sign up. Or you can even become a member at allisinteresting.com slash membership. Yeah. And you get some cool perks yeah. like no ads. And a dark mode theme for the website. Yeah, you can leave us uh, questions, concerns, comments. If you like, you can email us at podcastallisinteresting.com. Or you could even leave a voicemail um, if you call us at 929-526-3029. We'd love to hear from from people. Yeah, so. Maybe we'll, we might even play it on the show. Send us your cash of Roman coins. Yeah. You know, I saw someone in Prospect Park with a metal detector oh. this weekend. And I'd never seen that. I wonder if you found anything. I hope they did. I, I hope too. they did. It'd be nice for them. There were battles, you know, in Brooklyn. There was Revolutionary War yeah. battles, so it's possible. Yeah. And I guess until next time, we'll return with H.H. H. Holmes and his uh, his grisly murders. His house of Horrors. His house of Horrors, yes. Hotel of Horrors? Hotel. It was a hotel. It wasn't really a hotel. Well. <laughs> we'll get into it. I mean, it's a big murder chamber, but like, you know, semantics. It's a big murder semantics. house. It's a murder house. Yes. All right. Well, till next time then. Au revoir. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books. As I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.